0: Hi guys, I'm your host Tara A. Devlin, and welcome to this week's episode of Koobana: true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. The latest volume of Koobana, Volume 11, is now out. This volume has over 80 different stories of creepy ghosts, abandoned buildings, frightening monsters, haunted locales, and much much more, so do check it out right now. We also have a brand new design up in the Koobana merchandise store. You can check that out at kowabana.store. We have shirts, mugs, stickers, masks and much more, so do check it out and help support the show at the same time. This week, we're looking at some strange and powerful dangers that lurk in places you might not expect, a good reminder of why you should always keep your guard up. First up, a group of students play a game of tag with an interesting ending rule, but it seems that this particular game may have been going for quite some time now. When will it end? Find out in… Neverending Tag This happened when I was in the sixth grade of elementary school, when I was in the same class as someone called S. He was the type of guy who always acted really weird and suspiciously. He always slept during class, and all he ever did was eat lunch and then go home. Everyone, everyone in class always made fun of him, and I did too. Looking back on it now, maybe he was mentally handicapped. I was in the same class as him in the third or fourth grade as well, and this one time we all played tag together. We had this rule that once the bell rang and you sat down on your chair, the game was over. Meaning… If everyone sat down after the bell rang and the person who was IT didn't catch them, then they lost the game. We played rock-paper-scissors to start, and I was IT. S was just walking around, so I quickly tagged him, but even after he became IT, he was just wandering around. This didn't change after the bell rang either, so everyone rushed back to the classroom and sat in their seats. Everyone besides S was already sitting down. Man, he didn't chase anyone, it was so boring. What the hell is with him? Everyone complained, and then S entered the classroom as well. For some reason, it looked like he was crying. I was sitting in my chair and he walked straight over to me. Then, out of the blue, he suddenly punched me. I guess he was trying to force me to stand up from my chair. But around that same time, the homeroom teacher entered the room, so it ended without turning into a fight. Everyone in the class saw what S did, so after that, nobody wanted to talk to or play with him anymore. A new game called Stay 5 Meters Away From S became popular, and this continued the whole time we were in the same class. Come to think of it. It was around this time that S started sleeping in class all the time. Around July or so of the sixth grade, we had to change seats and I ended up in the same group as S. This meant we had to clean the small meeting room together. Of course, that game we played years earlier where we all had to stay away from him had ended, but I still didn't really want to get involved with him. Those assigned to cleaning the meeting room never really took it seriously because the teachers never came to check on us. I was just playing around with my broom, trying to balance it on the palm of my hand. The other guys were killing time by swinging their brooms around randomly. The only person taking seriously was S. The bell signifying the end of cleaning time rang. Everyone threw their brooms into the closet at the same time, and then ran from the meeting room. I was in the middle of my balancing game, so I decided I'd put my broom back once it finally fell from my hand. Once it fell and the game was over, I realised I was alone in the meeting room with S. At the same time, I realised I was in a bit of a pickle. S was standing in front of the cleaning closet, glaring at me. Looking back on it now, I should have just put the broom down there and left, but… I thought he would get angry, so I said, Hey, you're in the way, move. You didn't touch me that time, he said, and then he ran away from me as fast as he could. Even once I got back to the classroom, he continued to run away from me, even though I wasn't chasing him. When I sat down, he continued grinning at me like he'd won. Did he mean to continue our game from all those years ago? And so, starting that day, this continued day after day. At first it was just annoying and I didn't take much notice of him, but when I thought about how he hit me that time, it really started to piss me off. But then, if I tried to touch him, that would mean I'd have to play his stupid game, so I held myself back. I thought that if I ignored him then he would eventually stop, but on the contrary, his actions escalated. When he needed to go to the toilet, he'd drag himself still sitting on his chair all the way there, looking at me victoriously. I couldn't help but feel more and more annoyed, and then I hit upon an idea. If I touched him on the last day of semester and then ran away, then he would have to be it until school started again, and that would no doubt really upset him. Of course, S didn't know where I lived, nor did he have any friends who could tell him. He continued running away from me all the time, but when I thought about how upset he would be when I finally did touch him, I couldn't stop laughing. Finally, the last day of the semester arrived. I planned to touch S as he was taking his jacket off and changing into his sport shoes, and then run away. The ending ceremony finished, and then so did our final homeroom meeting. I pretended that I was still ignoring S and rushed out of the classroom. S didn't take his school materials home often, so his desk was jam-packed with stuff. I made sure I had already taken most of my stuff home so I could be empty-handed to escape easier. I put on my sports shoes, then I hid and waited excitedly for S to come. About thirty minutes later he appeared his backpack full of stuff he was trying to juggle. He took off his school shoes, and at that moment, I rushed out and slapped him on the head as hard as I could from behind. You're it! I screamed, and then ran away as fast as I could. His reaction was even funnier than I expected, and he let out a massive scream that echoed inside the building. I laughed as I kept running. When I turned around… I saw him desperately trying to catch up to me. I thought that he wouldn't follow me because he had so much stuff with him, which would have been a little boring, but he had left it all on the ground and was chasing me as fast as he could. I laughed as I continued running. I'll kill you! I'll curse you! Wait! He screamed after me. Near the end, his voice sounded like it was going hoarse. By the time I got home… I still couldn't stop laughing. It was like a weight had been lifted from me. That night, as I was watching TV, I heard a scream that didn't sound human. Instinctively, I thought that S was going to kill me, and I broke out in a cold sweat. There was no way he was still looking for me, right? What would he do if he did find me? That same night, an emergency call started doing the rounds. S. had died. Apparently, he was hit by a truck. I later learnt that he ignored the traffic lights and ran straight out onto the road. He still wasn't wearing his shoes and his feet were all torn up. And on top of that, the time of his accident was the exact same time I heard that inhuman scream. Maybe it was because he was late coming out of the classroom with all his stuff, but… Nobody knew that I was somewhat involved in what happened. Maybe he was running around screaming that whole time until he died. How much happier things would have been if the only thing that happened that night was that strange scream. That night, I heard the same scream from earlier. I thought, now it was my turn to be chased. Ever since then, I spend every day sitting in a chair it's no doubt safer that way. Now, it's just like I'm imitating the same thing S used to do. The way I sleep in my chair is just like how he did during class. And now, people tend to stay away from me just like they did with S. How ironic that now the game is to stay 5 metres away from me… A young woman moves into her first apartment after moving out of home, but it seems this place may come with an interesting history. Who is going to be more stubborn, her or the strange events that won't stop happening around her? Find out in… Creepy Apartment When I was twenty I worked nights so I moved into an apartment with a colleague who was one year older than me, and we lived near the store. It was close to downtown, and the rent was a very reasonable 50,000 yen a month. Our apartment was on the second floor of a three-storey reinforced concrete building, and there was a western-style room and a Japanese-style room, both six tatami mats large, and between those, a kitchen that was four tatami mats large, and a prefab bath. On the day I moved in, I finished work around 1.30am, but because my mother was sick at home with a cold, I returned there instead. As such, my roommate returned home alone. My parents' house was quite close nearby. I returned to the apartment around noon the next day, but my roommate was acting rather strange. She took the western-style room as her bedroom, but she refused to get out of bed. I asked her why, and she said that after she got home the night before, she could hear strange crunching noises coming from my room, the Japanese-style one. She was so frightened that I went and checked every square inch of my room. It was just a mouse, I lied, trying to make her feel better. But that same day, she broke out in a fever and actually couldn't get out of bed. I told her that we'd be fine on a single pay and she should just rest up, and then I left the apartment to go to work. I got back that night around 2am, and she was still acting strange. Like the previous night, she was terrified of the noises coming from my room. I could hear it as well, but I was already drunk, so I ignored it and went to bed. And so, on the morning of the eighth day, I woke up to a loud racket. Somebody was ringing the front doorbell. Who the hell is it at this time? I thought angrily to myself, and when I looked through the peephole, I saw a police officer's ID card. It seemed the person living in the room above us had been found dead. They wouldn't know how long the person had been dead for until they got the results of the autopsy back, but at a glance… It looked like they'd been there for ten days or so, at least. The landlord said they were two months behind on rent as well. It was an awful situation. Once my roommate heard what happened, she immediately moved out. She never went back to work either after she got sick. My mother was worried about me, and I thought about going back home, but I decided… Living alone might be nice, and cancelled my plans to move out. Months passed without anything of note, I got a new boyfriend, and I quickly invited him to come to my apartment. He stayed over so often we were basically living together, and then one day when I got home he looked at me with a dead serious look on his face. "'Why don't you find a new place to live?' he said. There's a strange noise coming from the Western-style room. No way, I thought. Ah, it's just a mouse, I said. That's not a mouse. It sounded like teeth grinding. Inwardly, I was more frightened of what he was saying than the actual sound. Before long, my boyfriend stopped visiting my apartment, and I was all alone again. It wasn't like I heard that grinding sound every day either, but one day I got home late at night, like always, and I was lying in the Western-style room reading some manga. The neighbours were especially noisy, but… if I recalled correctly, that apartment was empty. I leaned over the balcony to peer into the neighbor's apartment. There were no curtains, so I could see right in, and as expected… Nobody lived there, nor was anybody moving in. But I could still hear a voice. It sounded like a woman gasping for air. (sighs) Ha ha, some little brats must have snuck in there and are up to no good, I thought. So, I decided I'd give them a little scare. I was drunk at the time. I picked up a piece of plastic that had fallen on my balcony, And then tossed it at the window next door. Lightly. Then I hid. There was a thump, and then the woman's voice suddenly stopped. But then it started again, this time from the window closer to me. It was such a strange sound. Was it really a voice? Of course, being drunk, I froze on the veranda and couldn't move. I broke out in a cold sweat, And my heart started pounding. Then it seemed that the sound or voice or whatever it was was now coming from the balcony next door, even though I didn't hear a window open. I held my breath and didn't move. The door leading to the balcony had a frosted glass lower half, while the top was regular glass. I suddenly looked up and, in the upper section of it, Saw a dark figure seemingly standing there. Is that hair? A woman's head? But there's no body beneath it. I was so terrified that all sorts of things came to mind, and all of them creepy. The image behind the door was still and unmoving, but then suddenly it seemed to tilt to the side, like a head leaning. I screamed no doubt annoying the neighbours, and then tumbled back into my apartment, closing the curtains and locking the door behind me. I then dove into bed and pretended to be asleep, but there was no way I could. I spent the rest of the night with the blankets over my head and covering my ears. The next morning, as the sun rose higher in the sky, I started to wonder if I had mistaken what I saw the night before. I decided to call the landlord about it. I think somebody snuck into the apartment next to mine, I said. The landlord came out right away to check, but it was still locked tight and there were no broken windows either. Just like that, it was almost over, but I forced the landlord to let me check myself as well. He really didn't want to. The moment I entered the apartment, I got chills. The wall that connected with my Western-style room was covered in countless dead insects, almost like they were stuck in a spider web. What the hell was that? It looked like small cockroaches. And I had this place professionally cleaned, the landlord muttered to himself. I thought about telling him what happened the night before, but I didn't think he would believe me, and he might get upset if I suggested there was a ghost in the same building where a dead body was found, so I decided to keep it to myself. Two or three months passed without incident, and then, when I got home from work one day, I found the front door flooded. There was a black crack in the roof running from the entrance ceiling light all the way to the kitchen, and water was pouring out of it. Was there a hole or leak in the pipes? Man… This place sure is crap. Drunk, I dodged the water coming out of the ceiling and went to the toilet. Once there, I couldn't believe my eyes. The toilet lid was broken. There was a split right down the middle, leaving it in two pieces. As positive of a person as I was, I was still scared. Is somebody in the house? I thought so I grabbed a metal pipe from the bedroom and checked the closet. Of course, nobody was there. I called the landlord the next day and explained the situation, and he quickly sent out a plumber. Yet after checking everything, he said he couldn't find any damage. Supposing there was, then there would only be leakage when the occupants above me used water. And of course, the apartment above mine was where they found the dead body… And there was still nobody living there. The plumber wasn't very talkative either way, and soon left. He repaired the crack in the roof and the toilet lid at the landlord's expense, and then the landlord also gave me a month of free rent to make up for all my shoes and clothes that were damaged by the water. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, so I continued living in that apartment after that too. Not only was I optimistic, but a plain old fool as well. Numerous strange things happened over four years of living in that apartment, but let me tell you the reason for why I finally decided to move. On this particular day, three of my friends from high school came to see me. Two of them moved to Tokyo after graduation. We were from Shikoku. So I didn't get to see them very much. As such, They all decided to spend the night at my place. Of course, that night I still had to work. I left my three friends at my apartment as I went out, but around 10pm I suddenly got a call from one of them. We're going back home tonight, they said. Apparently, the three of them were sitting under the kotatsu in the Western-style room and chatting when they heard strange noises coming from the Japanese-style room, my bedroom. Again? I thought, but I said it was just a mouse. It absolutely was not. It sounded like nails scratching down the walls, they said. The three of them then went to check the noise out, and suddenly there was a loud bang on the wall right in front of them. Unable to stand it anymore, the three of them left the apartment without a word, leaving my spare key in the mailbox. How careless. After hearing that, I wasn't exactly in the mood to go home either, so I spent the night at my parents' house instead. I returned to my apartment around lunchtime the following day, and as I was cleaning the mess my friends made, I noticed a change in my health. I had a fever of around 38 degrees, but it was a Saturday, so I couldn't miss work. I was a junior mistress at a bar at the time. I went back home after work, but my fever was so high and my body in so much pain that I called my mother to come over around 2am. Strangely, just having her there made me feel better, despite the fever and the pain. Is it just me who feels like that? As I started to fall asleep with my mother nearby, I suddenly heard a woman scream outside. This was followed by the sound of someone running down some stairs. I tried to get out of bed to go see what all the racket was about, but my mother stopped me. No, you stay right there, she said, grabbing my arm and pulling me back. I thought that maybe there were some thugs or something outside and she didn't want me to get involved. She continued holding my arm until I finally calmed down. At the time, I thought my mother was heartless, but I was wrong. My mother said that when I jumped out of bed, saying I heard a scream, she hadn't heard anything. I just suddenly jumped up, grabbed the metal pipe near my bed, and then tried to go outside. That was why she stopped me. The next day I went upstairs. The apartment above mine was still empty. I spoke to the people in nearby apartments and asked them, did anything happen here last night? Were there any loud noises? but everyone just looked at me like I was the weird one. So then, what the hell was it? I thought. Then I decided it was time to move. When I told the landlord of my intentions, he said something interesting. You're the only tenant who's ever lived here for so long. Four whole years. Seemed people were constantly coming and going from the building… I also later heard this from the landlord, a timid 30-year-old man. The apartment right above yours where the corpse was found was renovated, but because the next person moving in wouldn't know anything about it, I felt bad and ended up closing it instead. But it's been over four years now, so I figured it was time to find someone new to move in. I called a contractor to check the condition of the tatami mats in the Japanese-style room the other day, but when they flipped them over, they were covered in scratch marks. But nobody lived there, so maybe it really is better that I don't rent that room out. Did he decide to open his heart to me after I'd stuck it out living in that apartment for so long? He also spoke to me about the people who used to rent the apartment next to me. Apparently, there was a Yakuza member in his 30s and a woman in her 20s who lived there, and the man ran off, leaving the woman behind. But then one day, she disappeared too, leaving all her stuff behind. Apparently, some people rented the apartment after them though. Apparently, the person who used to rent my apartment before me also worked nights but they used to harm themselves a lot and then disappeared after making a terrible mess in the bathroom. Not many people moved out after giving proper notice, so I guess he liked me. "'If you ever want to move in again, let me know,' he said, and so I took advantage of his goodwill to get him to waive the security deposit, bond, and parking fees. Now, my older sister lives in that same apartment. She also works nights, like me. She said nothing has ever happened in that apartment where the Yakuza member lived again, though. Have you ever found yourself walking down a familiar hall that now, for some reason, no longer seems so familiar? You take a turn expecting to go one place, but you end up somewhere else entirely. The two women in this next story at first think they're just lost, but maybe it's not them but rather the building they're in that's leading them astray. Find out why in… The Warped Inn. This is a weird rather than scary story. I heard it from my colleague Keiko, and it was something she experienced firsthand. At the end of last month, Keiko went on a hot spring trip to Hakone with her younger sister. The inn they stayed in was old and historic. It was the type of place great riders would stay in, if that helps you picture the atmosphere of it. The sisters enjoyed some time in the hot springs, then they had a delicious meal for dinner and returned to their room to relax. Before long, one of them suggested they go downstairs to have a look around and grab some souvenirs, so the pair went down to the lobby on the first floor. On the way, They passed several hostesses from the inn. There was a room full of cases of beer bottles and slippers and such, and they could hear lively voices behind a sliding door. Oh, must be a party. Yeah, they said as they passed by, and then they reached the lobby. It was quiet, unlike hotels that were usually swarming with staff. The pair looked at souvenirs and a pamphlet talking about the history of the inn. Then they went for a walk in the garden. Twenty or so minutes later, it started to get cold, so the pair decided to return to their room. They made their way upstairs, but for some reason, they were unable to find their room. It wasn't a very big inn, nor was it a confusing layout, and yet they couldn't find their room. I can't believe we're getting lost at our age. They decided to ask one of the hostesses for help. And so they started looking around. Then Keiko's younger sister said something. Hey sis, don't you think this is a little strange? Keiko then realised what she was talking about. It was quiet all around them. Too quiet. There was a party taking place, and yet there were no hostesses anywhere. In front of that room they saw the cases of beer and slippers again, but they couldn't hear any voices coming from inside. There was nobody around but them. The two wandered around the halls and stairs, trying to find their room. Hey, was there a hall here before? This door doesn't look like the ones on our floor, does it? We walked through here before, right? And come to think of it, The flowers and paintings they saw near the landing were different to what they remembered. The paintings, which looked like they were Itō Jakuchus, had been replaced with paintings of beautiful women by Takehise Yumeji. Or had they just mistaken them for something they'd seen somewhere else? At first, the feeling of being lost was actually a little fun, but then they started to grow scared. They tried going up different staircases to the ones they went down, and Then they did the opposite, over and over, but they kept ending up in entirely different places. The more we move around, the more I have no idea where we are. Was this landing always so narrow? Just as they were about to start panicking, someone suddenly appeared. What's wrong? The pair turned around and a middle-aged woman in a purple kimono stood before them. The woman looked at them curiously, and the pair were filled with relief. We don't know where our room is. But upon hearing that, the woman just laughed and then continued on her way. The pair started moving again, and just like that, they immediately found their room. They breathed a sigh of relief as they went inside, and Keiko started complaining about the rude attitude of the hostess they'd just seen. No… That woman helped us find our way back, her younger sister said. What do you mean? The air around us seemed to change as she walked away, like it warped. Eh? I think that's what her job is. Keiko's sister wasn't exactly psychic, but she was apparently sensitive to that sort of stuff, and her intuition was always sharp. In the end, They no longer wanted to stay in the same inn they'd had such a scary experience in, so they cancelled the second night of their stay. Is something wrong? The staff asked. Well, we're a little scared, they said, and that seemed to be enough. Understood, the man said, and that was that. According to a local taxi driver, such incidents weren't uncommon in that inn and the area around it. It happened both inside the building and the areas surrounding it, like people just suddenly disappeared all at once. And just before people returned, they always ran into a middle-aged woman. There's nothing to be afraid of, you just got a little lost. Maybe it's got something to do with the magnetic fields going crazy or something, but I do wonder how that old woman relates to it all. A young boy arrives home to find his grandfather waiting for him. There's just one problem. His grandfather has already passed away. His grandmother has a solution to this problem, but is everything really as it seems? Find out in… Purifying Salt. I'm one of those people who can see ghosts. Having said that, Seeing ghosts is the only thing I can do, and I've lived my life without facing any harm from them as well. Yet the one ghost I'll never forget was that of my grandfather. When I was in the upper grades of elementary school, my grandfather passed away. I don't know the full details, but apparently it was cancer. He was a man who always stood tall, and at a glance was rather scary. But there was a kindness to his words and actions And he was righteous and someone you could rely on. Even though he passed away, I didn't feel sad. I knew that I'd still be able to see his ghost. Some time passed after his death, but I still hadn't seen his ghost. When my great-grandmother passed, I saw her immediately wandering around at her own funeral. Grandpa's funeral passed without incident, and then he was cremated and then when we got home, I saw Grandpa standing by the entrance. What the? So he was here all along, I thought, and then my grandmother slapped me on the back. She alone knew that I could see ghosts, because she could too. That was our little secret. My grandmother loved my grandfather, and they were a close, loving couple. And yet, despite that, When she saw her beloved husband standing in front of her, she was rather cold. The next moment, she started sprinkling purifying salt all around the entranceway. As she did, Grandpa's expression changed. The look on his face turned terrifying, and he was no doubt angry. He looked like a Hunya mask, an expression I'd never seen on his face before, and a chill ran down my spine. Then his spirit disappeared just like that. Before I went to bed, I went to my grandmother's room. "'When you sprinkled the salt, Grandpa looked really angry,' I said. "'That wasn't your grandpa,' she said flatly. I thought she was lying. When you die, you're no longer of this world. It's okay. When I pass over to where he is, we'll make up.' She then put her hands together in prayer. The following year, my grandmother passed away on the same day my grandfather died. I hear that, recently, the act of using purifying salt at funerals has decreased. It might just be a sign of the times, but personally, I'm okay with that. A man on a business trip checks into his hotel for the night, but once again, it seems that something in the halls isn't quite right. What's really going on? Find out in Old Women in Blue Kimonos This happened three years ago when I went to Kansai on business. Work finished late, and it was around 2.30am by the time I checked into my hotel. I don't remember what floor I was on, but I took the elevator to go up to my room. The elevators in most business hotels tend to open up to a hall where you can go either left or right with rooms on either side, right? There was a sign to the right of the elevator stating which room numbers were to the right, which were to the left, etc. So I looked at that and then turned to the left. It was night, so the corridor was rather dim, and as I turned, I saw two people standing in the middle of the hall. Right between me and the room at the far end, and they were both looking at me. What are they doing this late at night? I thought, but I continued walking and looking for my room. As I got closer to them, the air seemed to grow heavy and cold, and I got a better look at them. They were two elderly ladies with neat, well kept hair. Both of them wore blue kimonos, but they were thick, like what you'd wear in winter and they seemed to be wearing old-fashioned work pants as well. But that wasn't all. Both their eyes were black. Pitch black. Oh hell no, I thought, and I quickly picked up the pace as I looked for my room. I had noticed it a little beforehand, but both women were missing their eyes. There was nothing but dark sockets where they should have been. And how could I put it? they didn't seem human at all. As I passed them, I got goosebumps all over and I broke out in a cold sweat. I'd almost reached the last room in the hall, and yet I hadn't found mine. The number on the final room was different to mine as well. It's not here. It's not here. It was the other way. I messed up. Nervously, I turned around and The two women had turned directions and were facing me. I was so scared I feared I would pass out, but then I ran as fast as I could back in that direction. As I passed by the two women again, I heard them saying something, but there was no time to stop and figure it out. My room was on the other end of the hall. I quickly unlocked it, but before I stepped inside, I turned to look down the hall again. The two women were still standing there. Their mouths were open unbelievably wide, and their faces looked like they had three giant black holes. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, it looked like they were saying, but it was like the sound was echoing in my head and not my ears. I closed the door immediately and then called the front desk. I was so worked up that I screamed at them about weirdos or ghosts or something and that they needed to get the police, but when they checked the security cameras for me, they didn't see anyone there but me. My ears have been a little strange ever since that day. I told this story to my friend who ended up seeing the same thing as well. Even just remembering it now terrifies me all over again. Finally this week, a man reads an interesting article on how to purposefully have nightmares, and you can even control how scary they'll be. He decides to try it out, but, well, find out what happens in Nightmares. I saw this in a magazine about 10 years ago. The title was, How to Have Nightmares on Purpose, and according to the magazine, if you want to have a scary dream, all you need to do is think deeply about it and step on your pillow. That's it. The number of times you step on your pillow will determine how scary it will be. Once or twice will be about as scary as a haunted house at a theme park, while over seven will be seriously scary. The max level is ten. 10 It was just before bedtime and it seemed simple enough, so I decided to give it a try and started stepping on my pillow. It would ruin the fun to start right at the maximum level, so I stopped at nine times and then went to bed. That night, I had a dream. In it, I was looking after an elderly relative of mine who passed away long ago. For some reason, he was in my bed with all sorts of tubes stuck in his arms and nose. I really didn't like being alone with him. Whenever everyone else was there, he was all smiles, but when it was just the two of us, his face went pale and he glared at me while muttering something in a low voice. This frightened me so much that one day I decided to take out one of his tubes while pretending to care for him. At that very same moment, His condition suddenly changed, and everyone came running into the room in a panic. The old man's face went blue, and he clawed at his throat as he groaned. I've done something terrible. He's going to die. But at the same time, I couldn't let them find out what I'd done. I rushed to his side, pretending not to know what was going on. Then, he growled something I clearly heard. Die. Die, he said. Then I woke up. So that was a level 9 nightmare, huh? What a dream. That old man died long before I was even born anyway, and he'd certainly never been taken care of in my bedroom. Weird. He would never have said anything like that either. I went over it again in my head, bit by bit, to try to forget how scary it was. Still, that look on his face… I needed to get it out of my head. It was just a dream, not reality, but something about it still didn't feel right, almost like I hadn't fully woken up yet. I suddenly looked up, and there was a large, pale face on the ceiling. Die! Die! It wasn't a groan this time it was a full-out scream. That face from my dream was coming after me. I was so scared that I passed out. When I finally came back to, the face was gone. I had a scary dream, and I convinced myself it was just a dream, and then it came for me again. It had to be something like that. For the next few days, I was scared of accidentally stepping on my pillow. If that was level 9, then how scary was level 10? I haven't tried it again since… I don't want to have another dream like that. there was one thing still bothering me. I looked at that same magazine again the following month, and someone wrote in about trying that very same method of having a nightmare. Last month, I tried the procedure to have a scary dream. I'm not good with scary things, so… I only stepped on my pillow eight times and then went to bed. I don't remember what happened in the dream, but when I woke up, there was a large pale face in my room. I got chills. Did that mean two complete strangers had the same dream? I tried looking online for anything related to it, using the keywords pillow, step, nightmare, and level, but I wasn't able to find anything. If anyone tries Level 10, can you tell me what it's like? Don't forget to check out Kowabana Volume 11 out on Amazon right now, and check out our newly revamped merchandise store at kowabana.store. And if you'd like to chat about this week's stories, come and join us in the Koabana Discord. You can find that link in the description or on kowabana.net. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash taraadevlin for exclusive bonus stories and extras, or our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash japan for all sorts of Japanese horror you won't find anywhere else. Thanks guys, stay safe, and I'll see you again next time for even more koobana true Japanese scary stories from around the internet. Want even more scary stories? Head over to Koobana.net for new translations every week. You can also join our Patreon for exclusive stories you won't find anywhere else. Head over to koabana.net now.